This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mammoliti. Contrary to the old Seinfeld episode, soup can be a meal. Okay? Depends what you put into it, but yes, it can be a meal. I like a good hearty soup, but I also like a soup, like a tomato soup with a grilled cheese sandwich. I mean, they go together, right? You just smell it. It's simmering away for a couple of hours, and the whole house smells of it. And it's one of the ultimate comfort foods, uh, I think, out there. You just, I don't see you going wrong with a bowl of soup. And that's the other thing I like. I like to sort of experiment with things and try new things, right? So Super Sundays let me do that. I'm Mary Mammoliti, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm talking with radio personality Mike Ross, public address announcer of the Toronto Maple Leafs and fellow foodie friend. Thank you, Mike, so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. And I want to start by getting into how did you get started in broadcasting? uh, I went to Carleton University in Ottawa and originally uh, was going to school to be a teacher. And I'd always kind of been interested in broadcasting or fascinated with it, but never really thought of it as a potential career. I think probably the the most I thought about it was watching old you know episodes of WKRP when I was a kid and thinking, man, radio is cool. I remember and, that. <laughs> right. And so when I got to university, I discovered that they uh, had one of the original campus community radio stations in Canada. Mm-hmm. And there were some pretty big names um, in the world of broadcasting in both news and sports who had been through there. So I thought, you know what, maybe here's an opportunity for me to give it a try, see if I like it and, and just have some fun with it. And so I walked in and said, you know, I'd, I'd like to help out. And they said, well, what do you do? What do you like? And I said, I like sports. And they said, well, we have a sports show on Monday. Show up. The first year that I was in broadcasting, I was on a, a top 40 station. And um, after a year, they flipped the format to all sports. And, and they kept me on as I began as a producer. And then it just sort of sort of went from there where I just started doing more on-air stuff, more reporting, and just sort of evolved over the years into where I'm at now, which is basically hosting full-time. Speaking of hosting, live from Studio 5. Yeah. That, I mean, that's my very first introduction to radio (laughs) was when I was speaking to you and Joeda. So tell us a little bit about Live from Studio 5. So Live from Studio 5 is a daily... um, variety show if you will mm-hmm. um sort of current affairs show and it's on ami which is all about a broadcasting programming uh, through a lens uh through the lens of disability and specifically uh the blind and partially sighted community in canada and so ami in its previous life was a reading service so people would tune into a channel on the television and would hear professional readers reading newspaper articles, magazine articles. And then with AMI, AMI still has a lot of elements of the reading service built into it because that's, that's their, you know, the, the, the whole genesis of it. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually they got into long form programming 
uh, I would I call it sort of CBC or NPR style programming, where they would take really deep dives and and put on sort of one hour documentary style shows. And in uh, 20, uh, 2015, they decided that they wanted to do something a little bit different and get into live broadcasting. They were um, jumping into live programming for the first time, and it was going to be uh, a startup. It was going to be part of building something because most of the places I've worked in broadcasting, I've always been in at the ground floor building it up, which mm-hmm. is, is pretty unique. And exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the challenge um, and and just the the thrill of building something. Um, it just can't be beat, especially when you sit back and you, you see these things years later still thriving mm-hmm. uh, and knowing that I was part of the startup of it is, is remarkable. You're also the PA announcer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yes, I am the public address announcer for the Maple Leafs. I have been since um, the 2016-2017 season. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is my third season with the team. And the cool thing about that is I'm only the fourth person in history to hold down that gig. So it's been a pretty exclusive uh, club and the people that have done it um, usually end up doing it for a pretty long time. Um, So I'm just like, I'm just sort of a a little baby compared to the guys who've done it before me. What's that like? The Leafs gig is, it's just a dream come true. It's my, my childhood team the team that I cheered for the first uh, first hockey jersey I got was a Maple Leafs jersey and to be to be their arena in arena voice is like never never once would have imagined this would happen and I have to ask this do you ever get nervous because I know oh, I yeah. do <laughs> like, oh yeah yeah I don't I don't get nervous with the radio show uh slash tv show i think i I was probably nervous on our launch day when we were starting but but i've been doing talk radio now for oh boy 14 14 years um in toronto and in in fact i'm 21 years really of, of talk radio total so it's it's just something that i've done for a long time well do you have any tips for any aspiring broadcasters? Wow, bro. Um, my number one tip for anyone getting into the business mm-hmm. is, uh, I, I'll give you two. Number one, don't do it to get rich because most people who get into broadcasting are not going to get rich. Um, you may be able to cut out a good life for yourself and, and do well, um, but don't, don't get into it thinking you're going to be, you know, Howard Stern making a hundred million dollars a year. Cause you're not right. Uh, keep in mind that you live a, you live in Canada. So the media market's a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, but the great thing about that is the media market, the, the, the market or the, the industry is smaller. So you're going to meet a lot of people many, many times over in your career. So make those relationships count. Um, Number two is try not to say no to opportunities. Uh, and I know that's a hard one for some people to swallow, to say that, you know, sometimes, you know, you take that 
extra shift and you're not going to get paid for it or take that extra opportunity to go and cover an event even though you're not going to get paid for it right and there are a lot of people who won't do that who don't want you know they want to get paid for everything they do and and I can totally get it but I also know that from my experience one of the things that um it sort of steps off the page for people for for employers uh, and 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 bosses and colleagues is when you go that extra mile and that's broadcasting. I mean, you don't, you don't get overtime. You don't, uh, you know, you end up working a lot of, if you're getting into sports, you're going to work nights, you're going to work weekends. That's just the way it goes. But if you're a go getter from the beginning and you're willing to, to put in the extra time, I would say that nine times out of 10, it's going to uh, come back and reward you in the end. So I've got about five questions for you. It's like a rapid fire. First one, you've got five minutes to move into a new kitchen and you can only take one item with you. What would it be and why? Uh, It would be my knife set because no matter what, uh, I can stir a soup with a lot of different things, but I can only chop up the ingredients with my knives because they're awesome. Smart. Okay, describe your culinary style in two words. Recipe-based. Justin Timberlake brought sexy back. What would you bring back? (laughs) (laughs) My my waistline when I was 20. (laughs) Absolutely, 100%, I would bring back my waistline from my 20s. Uh, Curse words, do you use them in the kitchen? I use them everywhere except on the radio and on the microphone at <laughs> Scotiabank Arena. And what's the curse words that you choose in the kitchen? The F word is always good. But see, I'm also French, so I can throw out some beauties. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, sure. Absolutely. Favorite snack? I got to go with... Uh... I got to go with popcorn. I love popcorn. Mm, that little crunch. Especially the theater popcorn, right? Like I've... I've actually driven to our local Cineplex, bought popcorn, and brought it back to my house for movie night. Really? I mean, I'm drinking a gallon of water after that. Oh, Every no, time I eat that popcorn. The, the toastiness of it, there's, there's, a, there's a roasted taste to it that I'm, I guess you get from the oil that you just don't get from the microwavable stuff. I want to kind of circle back to Live from Studio 5 for a second because you guys did something really interesting recently. You basically went on a trip across Canada, but I like to say you could basically ate your way across Canada <laughs> during this oh, recent yeah. road trip. How Absolutely. did you guys, like every place you stop, you would stop at a, a you know one location and you would go and eat at a specific restaurant. Yeah. So, so what we did was first and foremost, we decided to do a little research and see what kind of foods were these province, was each province sort of known for. And I mean, some of them were fairly obvious, right? I mean, you think the Maritimes, uh, you know, you go to the Atlantic provinces and having been to some of them before, I knew, you know, that I'm going to PEI, I'm going to be eating some mussels. I'm going to New Brunswick, I'm having the, uh, uh, the oysters, mm-hmm. lobster in Nova Scotia and cod in, in Newfoundland. Those were almost, you know, no brainers. So we knew going into the trip and we, and we covered off every Canadian province. So over the span of about five weeks, we visited 
um, 10 provinces, and 13 cities. And in every province, we were able to knock off the, the food item that we were going for, except for Saskatchewan. We were only in Saskatchewan for about, well, I'd say less than 24 hours. And we were, we were supposed to be looking for Saskatoon berry pie. And we never found it. Saskatoon berry pie. What's that? Yeah, I don't know. I, I all I found was a, a a write up on it. I don't I don't even know what it looks like. Um, and we never the, we went to two different restaurants while we were in Regina, and we didn't find it. But everywhere else, um, you know, be it steak in Alberta, uh, sushi in BC, um, and we just we had it all. Did you guys get to eat anything unusual? Um, in Winnipeg, we went to an Indigenous restaurant. And what was cool about that was all Indigenous-inspired items on the menu. So we had bison. Um, so that's one cuisine I'd love to try. It was delicious. It was so good. Um, but what I really loved about this restaurant was not only was it all Indigenous food, but they also hire indigenous youth to work for them. They seek out, you know, young people who need work, who really are at that point in life where you're trying to find yourself, you're trying to find where you're going. Mm -hmm. And if the culinary arts is something that they're interested in, then they bring them in. And uh, everything about that restaurant, that whole experience was phenomenal. I'm Mary Mammoliti, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm talking with radio personality, Mike Ross. When did you really start cooking? When did you really start getting into it? I think the earliest memory I have of, of actual cooking, uh, I would have been probably about 15 years old, and I'm pretty sure it was to impress a girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, every and, guy's story starts. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and I had, um, I used to watch, I've always watched cooking shows. They can just find them hypnotizing, I think. Uh, and I watched the, uh, the walk with Yan cooking show that used to be on. Wasn't he fantastic? Yeah. Loved him. The comedy, you know, he was the, awesome. The entertainment value was, yeah. was great just on its own. Him and Chef Pasquale. Um, yes. And we had, we had one of, uh, the walk with Yan cookbooks. And so I made um, what uh, was called seafood in a nest. I mean, I'd never thought of making anything like that. But I went out, bought the ingredients, and, and, and everything turned out magnificently. And so that's the earliest memory I have of cooking something like that. But then I knew I could do it. Once I got married, uh, my wife did most of the cooking. Mm -hmm. And that was mainly because I worked afternoon so I, I didn't get home till seven o'clock and in 2002 I had a job change and suddenly I was working four days and I was off for four days my four off days became like me cooking nights I find it so relaxing and so soothing for oh, me it's right? it is absolutely therapeutic whether I've got the tv on or I've got music on oh you do the music too yeah oh absolutely yeah yeah so do yeah. I love the I love I mean, I'm a big fan of opera and classical music, oh. so I'll put some of that on and just like, yeah, it's, it's therapeutic. Do you share your kitchen with your wife? 
Do you cook together or is it one of those things where I'm in here, I'm cooking, I'm doing my thing? Yeah, it's my kitchen. <laughs> it's my kitchen. Don't don't come into my kitchen when I'm cooking unless I in I ask you into it. Mm. <laughs> um, some of it has to do with just that it's not a huge kitchen to begin with, but it, it, it's also just that a lot of the time I'm a recipe cook, but even with that, I have pre-read the recipe. I've got an idea of what I have to do and the timing that I need. And if somebody's stepping in, um, it, I find it can be it can be a little difficult to to manage, and it interferes with my timing. Mm -hmm. But I have found myself more in the last year or so um, bringing her or my niece into it uh, my niece especially because I'm showing her how to cook um, and, and teaching her you know some techniques and she's really anxious to learn about it so so there's been a little bit more traffic in the kitchen over the last year but generally speaking when I'm in there I don't really want to I don't want to mess around I don't want to be interfered with so it sounds pretty strict but in the end when they when they take that first forkful and and they love it mm -hmm. and all is forgiven see and all is forgotten that's right oh and i have to mention this what is super sundays okay super sundays i'm a big football fan mm -hmm. i'm a i'm a buffalo bills fan isn't it go bills is that it right? right go bills yeah absolutely <laughs> let's go buffalo uh tough season this year but anyway it's you know since those four Super Bowl losses in a row, it's, it's been tough to be a Buffalo Bills fan anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but what I found was I love soup and I love stews and I love chilies. And well, I'm watching a lot of the Bills games are at one o'clock in the afternoon. And then by four o'clock, they're done. And though I'm still watching other games, I kind of found myself sitting there, you know, saying, what are we, what are we making for supper tonight? And it just, I, I can't even think of the first time that I did it, but I thought, let's make some soup. Like, let's make a, a let's make this a meal. So get a, get a nice uh, baguette or a nice loaf of bread and um, come up with a new recipe of soup every Sunday through the football season or as many Sundays as I can during the football season. It just sort of, evolved and then with with the arrival of social media it's like well super sunday sounds right <laughs> yeah. so that works and and so yeah i mean it it started off as being really simple soups now why soup um because contrary to the old seinfeld episode soup can be a meal okay <laughs> depends what you put into it but yes it can be a meal i know the episode you're talking about <laughs> right right and so I like um, I like a good hearty soup, but I also like a soup with like a tomato soup with a grilled cheese sandwich. I mean, they go together, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it was I, I like the fact that you sort of build up the the soup, like there's layers to it, and it just works out time wise. Where I can start a soup at four o'clock in the afternoon, or Earlier, if the bills like this year are getting pounded at halftime, mm -hmm. um, I can start putting it all together 
and you just smell it. It's simmering away for a couple of hours and the whole house smells of it. And I know it's, it, it's one of the ultimate comfort foods, uh, I think out there. Oh, I agree. You just, I, I just don't, I don't see you going wrong with the bowl of soup. Yeah. Like that first spoon of it, when you take it and it just warms your inside, like everything heats up. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, love that. Exactly. It's like a, yeah. a, a hug, a warm hug. It is. It absolutely is. Yeah. So yeah, that's that was the genesis sort of the genesis of Super Sundays, and now it's uh, we sort of passed it on because my niece um, is going to school here in Toronto, and she's been living with us now for a couple of years, and she loves Super Sunday. So she now tries to call which soup gets made. And, oh, that's hilarious! Every once in a while, yeah, every once in a while, I let her pick the soup and 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 make it. And in fact, a couple of weeks ago, I surprised her. I made a mulligatawny, which I've never, I I can't remember the last time I cooked with curry, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I've never cooked with coconut milk before. So I put this soup together. She had no idea. She was out of town. She came home later on on that Sunday, and uh, had a bowl of of the the soup left over for her. And she, uh, she said, wow, you really surprised me by going sort of off the page with, uh, with that. And, and that's the other thing I like. I like to sort of experiment with things and try new things, right? So Super Sundays, let me do that. I ask all my guests the same question. What is your kitchen confession? Do you have a kitchen confession to share with me? You know what? I do, actually. And there are only a handful of people who, who have heard this story. When I was a kid, I grew up next door, literally next door to my grandparents' house, mm-hmm. um, and didn't have a lot of kids in my neighborhood. And in fact, on my street, there were no other kids. It was just me. So I spent a lot of time with my grandparents growing up, especially my grandfather, where that's where I got my love of sports and my love of politics. And my grandmother absolutely was part of giving me my love of food because she was a great cook. And I was one of six grandchildren who were regularly around their house. So there were always a lot of cookies, a lot of ice cream, and a lot of pop at their house. Um, Now at the time, it all seemed great. Now as a type 2 diabetic, eh, maybe I would have reviewed some of the things that we were consuming (laughs) back then. Um, But that being said, she would buy ice cream in these big bulk containers, right? Like the no-name, uh, you know, four-liter tubs. We can dive in. <laughs> That's yes, yes. <laughs> but back then, um, you know, her freezer was pretty full, and there was no room for one big four-liter tub. So what she would do is take these empty containers of Cool Whip whipped cream and put the ice cream in that and then put those, mm-hmm. put those in the freezer and then, <laughs> and then store them in that, right? It was much easier right. to, make, to, to, to take one of those out and serve everybody than the big giant tub. Mm-hmm. So one day I'm at their house and I've gra- I'm going downstairs to watch TV. So I grab my ball of pop. And I go and grab a, a Cool Whip 
t- uh, uh, container. Italian Tupperware is what we used right? to call it. <laughs> exactly, right? And uh, grab a spoon, and I'm going to go watch TV. And I took a spoonful of the ice cream, and it tasted off. And I thought to myself, well, that's it's kind of weird. Like the texture of it's a little weird. And I wondered, maybe it's just like a little freezer burnt. But, you know, whatever. No big deal. It's ice cream. It's all good. And, I mean, at the time, I must have been like 11 or 12 years old. So what do I know about food, right? Yeah, I polish off that container. And oh, no. within a couple of hours, I'm like keeled over in so much pain. I've got the worst stomach ache I've ever had in my life. So my, my grandmother's like, what's the matter? So I explained to her, well, here's the problem. It wasn't ice cream. It was an actual tub of Cool Whip. No, it wasn't. I ate a whole <laughs> container of Cool Whip. And that's why I wasn't feeling very well. I ate a whole tub of Cool Whip. Yeah, thinking it was ice cream. So to this day, to this day, when I sit down with my family at Christmas Uh or any sort of occasion like that, someone, (laughs) whether it be my parents, my sister, my aunt, my cousins, somebody asks if I want any Cool Whip. (laughs) So, yeah. So that's my kitchen confession. I ate an entire tub of Cool Whip thinking it was just freezer burnt vanilla ice cream. Okay, I'm going to move on to a game called This or That. Choose one of the two. Morning or evening? Morning. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Pizza or pasta? Oh, you're killing me. Right? I know. Hard one. Hard one. Okay. I'm going to go pasta. Comedy or horror? Comedy. Burger or hot dog? Burger. Dine in or delivery? Dine in. Watching sports or eating your favorite meal? Oh man, I can't <laughs> do both. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch sports. This one's really important. Toilet paper, over or under? <laughs> oh, toilet paper is over. If you do it any other way, you're it's just wrong. wrong. See, okay. You're, Oh, so wrong. Okay, laundry or dishes. Yep. Uh, What's worse? Okay, well, can I get can I get a clarification? Am I washing or drying? <laughs> There's a difference. Because that makes it di- if I'm drying, I got no problems. I have this. Oh, okay. I'm the opposite. I Here's hate another, drying. I'm going to interrupt this game and bring back one more kitchen confession <laughs> that I don't know if I've ever told anyone other than maybe two of our friends oh i'm listening (laughs) when we first got married and we didn't have a dishwasher so we washed the dishes every night i actually wore dishwashing gloves because i hated (laughs) i hated getting wrinkly fingers and i hated (laughs) touching like yucky food in water and like gross so i wore 
I wore the gloves. So that's why I, it's important to <laughs> distinguish whether I'm washing or drying. If I'm drying, <laughs> I'm learning dishes. so much about you. <laughs> if I'm washing, then I'm going to take the laundry. I, I am dainty that way. A hundred percent happy to admit it. <laughs> oh my God, I got to get a hold of myself here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. My pleasure. For coming on the show, talking, sharing with me. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it too. Thank you. It's that time we've reached the end of another show. Be sure to visit kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. I'd like to thank producer and editor Matt Agnew, and I'm Mary Mamaliti. See you at the next episode.